have Gabriella Dow joining us on the John Riley Project. Gabriella is a parent in the Poway Unified School District. Uh, she's a business consultant and a tech investor. Uh, Gabrielle was nice enough to join us uh, just to have some insight into the Poway Unified School District, the uh, the upcoming election. You know, welcome. How are you, Gabrielle? I'm good. Good to see you, John. All right, nice to see you <laughs> in this wonderful setting. We're not at a board meeting, which is where we often <laughs> right. we often see each other. Yeah. So this is um, this is my living room. So I, I just kind of converted it into a little podcast studio. Have some fun, and um, yeah. So welcome. Thank you. you. So, um, you know, I I, uh, got to meet you. You know, I think at one point you were a volunteer on the the school district's tech advisory Mm -hmm. committee. I was uh, on the Poway uh, budget review advisory committee. We got to know each other there. Uh, We've been following some politics here with the school board. You know, I think both of us are reasonably active on Mm -hmm. social media. So just want to get your take on um, on the election and kind of where we are. Perfect. And call me Gabby. Okay. Very good. <laughs> Everybody Gabby. eventually calls me Gabby. Okay. Um, yeah, it's been an interesting. It's been an interesting journey. Uh, I am the mom of two boys. My husband Steve and I have two boys who are mm-hmm. now eleven and thirteen. And I often think to the day in the parking lot of elementary school uh, when one of the moms ran after me saying, can you please serve on our foundation board? Mm-hmm. Uh, or no, can you help us? Okay. And I said, sure, you know, I'll write a check. What do you need? What do you mm-hmm. need? And she said, no, we don't need money. That's the problem. <laughs> We've raised money. We're buying all these iPads and we can't figure out what the plan is. Uh, we mm-hmm. don't know how to train the teachers. We don't know if we're doing the right things. We don't feel like we're getting direction at the district level and we're not sure if we're not asking the right questions, uh, will you please serve? Um, and you know, I currently serve on the advisory council for the, um, it, it's an advisory, I'm trying to remember, the industry advisory um, group, let's call it, for the San Diego Community College District. Oh, nice. And we meet okay. twice a year. So yeah. that's the type of board you want to sit on, right? You, so you, this you, is a foundation at what school? So this was at Valley Elementary. Okay, uh, yeah, Val- here in Poway. Yeah, here okay. in Poway. All right. Uh, it is the dual language, the language immersion. Yeah, right on. Um, we live in Rancho Bernardo, and mm-hmm. so our homeschool was Chaparral. Um, so we attended Chaparral. When we first bought our house, the, the district of Chaparral was full, and so we had to have one son go to Painted Rock, amazing school, um, and then we had to have the other one at Chaparral, also an amazing school. But I had always heard about a dual language, language immersion program. I had to ask around, and finally one of the teachers said, oh, you're talking about Valley. It's uh-huh. 30 minutes away. It's in Poway. Uh-huh. Um, you know, I'm not sure if you're going to want to go that far. I'm originally from Mexico, so Spanish was my first language. Yeah, yeah. Um, my husband's from Philadelphia, so he learned Spanish, but mm-hmm. in high school, but we didn't speak it at home. And for me, languages are so important, and I know how kids learn them young, that I didn't care how far I had to drive. Um, I wanted to check out the program. And once I met Dr. Johnson, um, the principal mm-hmm. at the time at Valley, mm-hmm. and I mean, there were families coming from Coronado, from nice. 
Delmar. Yeah. Um, we knew that that you had to apply to get in, um, but we applied and got in. And then it's also a Title I school. So it's an immigrant community yeah. uh, that is primarily served. And it was just a really incredible environment. I think it's one of the best things um, at Poway Unified. So it was at that school nice. that the mom came running out to the parking lot. Good. Um, we need help on the foundation board. I, um, I just think that's so great the way there are certain schools that specialize mm-hmm. in various niches. You know, like there's a Mandarin immersion program mm-hmm. at another school. Um, you know, Westview High has an ROTC. Mm-hmm. Poway High has a 4-H, you know, so there are or an ag program. So I think it's terrific when schools can specialize like this because they become sort of laboratories of innovation mm-hmm. within a school district. Then they learn. And so uh, wonderful. I'm glad your exactly. family had a chance to explore that. And there are different specialties. Yeah, that the other schools can pick up. So what, what are your children's names and how old are they? So Evan is 13. Mm-hmm. Uh, he actually skipped a grade oh, wow. at Valley. Um, okay. I mean, it was very interesting because they learned the curriculum in mm-hmm. Spanish, but they were taking the testing uh, for math and, and for English in English, uh, the state testing. So mm-hmm. his last year at Valley, well, it became his last year, but he was in a fourth, fifth combo class. Okay. Um, so he ended up skipping fifth grade because he started doing all the work with the fifth graders, all the work with the fourth and all the work with the right. fifth. So he is now in eighth grade. I used to have them closer together. Now there's right. an extra year uh, between them. And then Alec is 11 and he is in sixth grade. Okay. And they're at Bernardo Heights. Okay. Um, so it, my parents live right across the street from there. We have nice. all of our friends from the neighborhood. They're all like, you're back. <laughs> I know, right, right on. <laughs> you're finally you know, back in the district. Uh, mm-hmm. From Valley, we had to make a decision on what to do. It was a little bit sooner than we expected because Evan had completed all of the work already for fifth grade and mm-hmm. he was testing with the fifth graders. Um, so that's how that started with math. We decided to go to Innovations Academy, um, which is still a public school, but it's in the San Diego Unified School District. It's a charter school. Um, and that was a really interesting, I mean, just to get the the different experience of project-based learning. Um, there, uh, there's no PTA. And so I kept saying, do you guys need help? Do you need me to fundraise? Mm, right. Um, no, if you want to, we got it covered. Yeah. Um, am I allowed <laughs> to volunteer? I was like, yeah, come whenever you want. It was mm-hmm. just a very different environment. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember, you know, wanting to bring all the forms, um, you know, to make sure the kids were still in gate. I didn't know what was involved. And the director's like, we don't, you know, that's, thank you for the paperwork. <laughs> right, right. A little bit more laid back here. Um, we really just, you know, fit um, what the students need because the question was, would Evan go into fifth grade or not? And she said, do you feel like he's ready for fifth grade? Mm-hmm. I had a little bit of reticence. Like I mm-hmm. don't want him to, you know, push ahead. My husband and Evan felt um, he's doing the work. He, he's, you know, there's no reason to hold back. Right. Um, and so she said, it's what, whatever the parents want and what, what the student feels. We mm-hmm. trust you. We see his report card. And that concept of the district trusts you. Um, I understand with larger school districts, maybe they can't be as flexible, mm-hmm. um, but it was just a, it was a different approach and it was a different type of relationship, I think, with the administration. Um, and it was just a different type of setup with the um, I think the teachers are not in a union um, in an environment like that. And right. so you really just felt that at every level. So it was good to be exposed to that. Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting how different school systems, school districts, they just have I don't know, different values, different methods of going to business as a you know business, mm-hmm. I should put that in quotes. But um, you can learn a lot, you know, and you have different experiences. And, you know, some of those learnings could be applicable even at Poway Unified, you know, I'm exactly. sure. Exactly. You know, so let's um, let's take a look at, uh, you know, when you were on the technology advisory mm-hmm. committee for Poway Unified, walk us through that process. What did you do? What did you learn? 
So um, after I was asked to serve on the board of the foundation at Valley, we did the trail run, the 5K trail run, mm -hmm. and it was to raise money primarily for technology. That was really what we felt. Mm -hmm. um, and the city of Poway was fantastic and you know, working with us and understanding that that school needed um, a lot of technology assistance. Mm -hmm. So there was some overlap in trying to figure out with the district, we're buying all these iPads, but we want to make sure the teachers know how to use them. What kind of training is there? Right. Um, and there, it just, you know, the, the, the program just wasn't there to give direction. Uh, consultant was brought in by Dr. Collins and there was that famous report. I forget what it's called, but it was that report that he redacted oh, and yeah. the tech report. Right. And he had like, he had crossed out a bunch <laughs> of was, words. Yeah. And, it was just yeah. crazy. Um, and so that was happening. And I think that's why I was asked to also serve on the district's or the board's technology advisory committee. And that had a really amazing group of parent volunteers. Some came from the tech sector. Another one was an attorney, um, you know, just other business owners. Mm -hmm. And we were just asking a lot of questions, looking at that report. Um, and we knew that some things were not quite um, making sense, I think is the best way to put it, as mm -hmm. far as um, Superintendent Collins um, and some of the answers that we were getting and some of the rapport um, with the different board members. Mm -hmm. We had no idea, of course, that you fast forward and you end up with a superintendent pleading guilty to criminal <laughs> charges. And so we just thought things were maybe unorganized. Oh, yeah, yeah. We were trying to understand what the setup was to have successful technology programs for the students and for the teachers. Um, and so that was a very eye-opening experience at a whole different level. And I think that at least started to show me that um, there were some serious issues. I mean, I didn't know too much about the whole billion-dollar bond uh, at the time, but you started to see how decisions were made. And mm -hmm. the technology report, um, the consultant actually didn't move forward with recommendations. Um, his final summary was, this is a toxic environment. And he interviewed, I think, 100 people uh, involved with Power Unified Principals, administrators, um, and his conclusion was, um, he wrote an interesting report, but his conclusion was, this is a toxic culture that needs to be addressed in different ways oh. before technology recommendations can be made for programs to be implemented. Oh my gosh. Do you remember that? Yeah, I do. So I, I, it's coming yeah. back to me now, but that, that is amazing that someone that's been tasked yeah. with putting together a program for the district just felt that the culture you know, with amongst the employees was just so, as your word, toxic. The, yeah. That it was and a that waste. word might have been redacted, but no, that is the been. word he used. <laughs> well, that's probably, yeah, why Collins yeah. pulled it all back because mm -hmm. it was embarrassing to his regime. But the fact that a consultant felt that he couldn't implement a program he was hired to do because the culture was su such a mess, mm -hmm. that's extraordinary. That's highly unusual. Even just yeah. in the professional world, I mean, I own a business, Mora mm -hmm. Consulting. We have contracts with public yeah. agencies, with engineering firms. I work with engineering firms, small, large, publicly yeah. traded. Um, I've been um, you know, doing this for 25 plus years. You, I don't know when else I've seen a, a final report say, I can't give you recommendations. It's almost like I can't teach you how to drive the car because the person is yeah. drunk all the time. So let's well, address that before I try to give you some recommendations on how to park it and you know how well, to do step one, two, three. Good for that consultant. Yeah. I mean, because uh, that's the ethical thing to do. To, uh, completely. Yeah. You know, right on. I mean, it's a, it's a, it was, a, it ended up being kind of a waste of money, you know, to deploy this person, but. The well, fact that the fact that they were brave enough, mm -hmm. and that it takes a lot of you know guts to do right. what that person did, is to basically say, "I'm sorry, but mm -hmm. it, it, this is a cluster here, right. and um, 
you know, I can't, whatever I would propose is not going to be implemented properly. And then, exactly. I, then it's going to come back exactly. on him. So it's not like you yeah. can't propose best practices and recommendations. Mm-hmm. It was, this is such a dysfunctional, toxic well, well, there's um, organization to the whole thing. Yeah. Yeah, that I, that the best thing I can do is try to break it down and encourage you to deal with it. Instead of dealing with it, the superintendent and his administration tried to cover it up right. and tried to say, we got a report huh. that said we need more money. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> board members, please authorize a lot more money. Yeah. Um, and so there we were again. I was on the board of the foundation raising a lot of money, but saying we don't want to keep buying iPads, technology that will become outdated unless there's a plan to actually make sure, let's maybe spend our money on the planning. And we did ultimately spend our, our money on some of the training for the teachers. Um, but the responses we would get from the district was just research whatever programs you think are suitable. And we would think, well, we have our <laughs> wow. full-time jobs and businesses yeah, yeah, and yeah. kids. Uh, we're not, a, you know, we're not, I don't know that we're qualified to be researching technology implementation programs. We ultimately did pay for uh, teacher training at USD. It was a wonderful program, but that's not the best way to do it. And, you know, whatever parents and different foundations research and decide to pay for it, you know, you want to have a, and what most districts have are visionary, long-term, cohesive uh, technology plans that intersect um, and integrate with the curriculum. So that, well, that's yeah. the, that's yeah. what would make sense. That's what makes sense with any business, right? Or that's what makes sense even if you're just a homeowner. You don't ask your gardener to go out and research <laughs> right. a stereo system right, and then right, you right. deploy that and you have something totally different for the electrical or, you know, it's like you just wouldn't do anything that way. My sense has always been that um, for some people, uh, you know, they want to embrace technology in the schools, right? And I think generally speaking, Almost everybody believes in that to some degree. But then when, let's say someone like, you know, a superintendent of a school district can say, we invested X million dollars Mm -hmm. in technology, but it's almost like they're throwing money at it without actually having a plan. Mm -hmm. And then I think that's where a lot of parents express concern that there was no proper implementation and they thought that this was going to lead to you know chaos in a learning environment Mm -hmm. where children were going to be accessing all kinds of things on their mm-hmm. on their tablets that were not appropriate. And then there's a whole other set of parents that were concerned about, you know, eye strain mm-hmm. and physical issues. Mm-hmm. So did anything ever resolve itself after that consultant gave up? Did the committee go further? Well, we came after the report um, had okay. happened. And so almost in response to the report. Yeah. Um, and once we started asking very difficult questions, I think the... Um, you know, some members on the board. And I do, you know, Michelle O'Connor was caught in the middle of that. I think she could have gone one side, which was to stand up to the superintendent and say, because I remember at one point um, we were asking for a job description. So we said, if we're providing feedback on what a chief information officer would do or a chief technology officer would do, can you give us the job descriptions for what your current CIO is doing? Mm -hmm. And that was somebody that Dr. Collins had pulled out of a school as a principal for some problems that were that were happening at that school because of that principle and pulled him in to be his CIO. Um, so I don't know that that person was particularly qualified, really? certainly not in the way that I yeah. understood CIOs. Yeah, I worked with yeah. hundreds of them. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And I remember saying, you know, I'm talking to this person and something's just not clicking. 
Um, and until uh, one of the teachers said, oh, no, there's a whole different background there. And that's kind of how people find things out, I think, at Poway Unified. If something doesn't quite make sense, um, and then little by little, other people that have been involved, whether they're teachers or administrators, everyone's always afraid to speak um, publicly, but behind the scenes, they will tell you, here's actually what's happening. Um, and so we asked for position descriptions so that we could see what the district's understanding of a of their, what are your current um, staffers in these positions? What are their, what are the expectations? Um, that should be a public document. Um, yeah, of course. But we just requested it as a committee and Michelle came back and said, Dr. Collins said, you can't have that. Um, and, you know, we said that then that's when we said, well, that should be a public document. And she said, I'm just the messenger. I don't know what to tell you. And we thought, no. And I remember saying to her, you're not the messenger. Hey, she's you the president the, of the you're school. You're the trustee. Yeah. You're the public elected yeah. representative. Yeah. And there's no reason why you shouldn't have a job description. How do you know what your yeah. different um, yeah. managers are doing? So that already hinted that there's a problem. Yeah. Um, and the superintendent, I think, had a parallel committee that he stood up oh. that would have different findings. Um, And so that's where you started to see um, some of the things would start to uncover. The request for uh, the job descriptions and some other documents that we decided as a committee um, normally would be public documents, but we couldn't get, is what led to the public records request that the committee asked me to do and that that I agreed to do, which then led to the whole data breach, which was you're asking for a certain set of information. Mm -hmm. Part of what I got back uh, from the district were some files, were some emails that had attachments with files that had all of the private information of 30,000 students. Oh, that's right. 70,000 parents. Now I remember that story. I mean, that was just such a crazy time to, to look at that. And I just remember sitting there looking at it going, I, am I really seeing this? Grades? Medical information? Really? Nicknames for kids? I mean, it was this these attachments, Excel spreadsheets, um, again, with 30,000 entries and all of the cell phones of every parent in the district. Um, And it was attached to an email saying, you know, from a third party, we're so sorry, we accidentally shared this information, (laughs) it's attached. And I'm thinking, (laughs) who else has, (laughs) why is our information flying around on emails um, with attachments? And so, of course, I tried to work that out with the board members and I emailed TJ Zane at the time, yeah. and, and I can't. I think he he might have been president Perhaps, um, yeah. at that time, or it was you know him and Michelle, um, and and it seemed clear that they were going to have the attorney who sent out the problem information, you know, look and investigate themselves, which just wouldn't make sense. And so yeah. that's when I said, this yeah. is sensitive. A child could be hurt yeah. if this information was in the wrong hands. And immediately, you know, called the district attorney's office and said, could you please just take a look at yeah. how this information's being handled and how we make sure that. Um, you know, some rogue person doesn't have a kid's grandmother's information. Ooh, yeah, yeah. Um, you know, who who is allowed to pick up the child? Uh, do they have seeing problems? What is their nickname? What's the cell phone? It just it really was an interesting time, but it was um, it was just like starting to see layers of major problems, and it wasn't until. Um, the public, I think, then started to see that there was actually financial oh, yeah. um, undoings. And that's, I think, you were on the financial committee. So you were seeing a lot of different things than I was seeing. I was, and I'll get to that. But I, I, I want to explore this. It's interesting because for the longest time, there's always been people out with an outcry for this notion of transparency. Mm-hmm. And this is, again, back in the Collins regime where where people, employees, parents, they always felt like their things were done sort of behind the curtain, behind closed doors, and you didn't really know what was really going on. Mm-hmm. 
And it was for things that should have been, to your point, public. Mm-hmm. You know, it's a public agency. Right. It's taxpayer supported. Um, so it was part of the Collins regime to kind of cloak and protect um, and not be as open mm-hmm. as, as a government agency should. But then, ironically, to your what, what you explained is that the incompetence mm-hmm. swung it the other way. And then they were too transparent because they're sharing all these this private information. I mean, Completely were, careless. Yeah, just things that are, again, not best practices. Well, this is maybe because you have a CIO that is right. a former you know, principal, probably right. a well-meaning person, but not a technology specialist, not a person that's put together policies for... Loyalty is, um, and the, the willingness to hide things, I think are highly valued yeah. at the school district. Yeah. Um, and so that does not end up producing uh, best practices Mm -hmm. and it creates problems. Yeah. Um, So you're constantly trying to cover different things up. You're not able to explain things. You, you know, where I've again worked with hundreds of public agencies, mostly a lot of water districts, a lot of cities um, all over the country. Um, And from time to time, I mean, you definitely see um, situations where, um, you know, superintendents or building officials or, you know, different levels, uh, there are issues and people go to prison. Um, You see that, but that's very uncommon. And what I would mostly see were incredibly dedicated and responsible public servants and leaders, whether it's a city manager or a superintendent or general manager of a water district. You know, what the teachers have gone through in this district, I think, is just incredibly difficult. Mm -hmm. The day-to-day employees are just doing incredible work. They're doing a lot more with less resources, um, but but they do it. Um, and when you see a district that is dysfunctional or that does have a toxic environment, um, you just, um, I, I don't think we're past, you know, it's getting fixed. Um, I think in some ways it's worse, not better. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And so we'll, we're going to have to see. I mean, there's structural budget deficits. That's a right there on paper, mm-hmm. major problem. When you have other school districts um, that have balanced budgets, at a minimum, let's have a balanced yeah, budget. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So I, mean, I could share with you my experience. And um, you know, I, I ran for um, a school board in 2014 and came up short, just mm-hmm. 1%. And uh, but one of the things that I campaigned on is having these sort of uh, citizen oversight committees because the city of Poway has done it so mm-hmm. successfully. Um, and I figured let's implement what works, right? Mm-hmm. So um, they finally uh, put together the, 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 there were, I think there were four committees originally. And the budget review advisory committee was created in the latter part of 2015. I think we had our first meeting in December. And uh, um, I chaired the group, and I was very, very fortunate to have a vice chair, a gentleman named uh, Gary Hamels, Mm -hmm. who um, had been a financial executive at Poway Unified, you know, in management there for many, many years, and then uh, finished off his career as the associate superintendent of business at the San Marcos mm-hmm. uh, San School. Marcos is doing an amazing job. Oh, yeah. They're coming yeah. a long way. Oh, no yeah. doubt. So he, he's a great guy. And his son is a pitcher in the, for the Chicago Cubs. And so I'm a baseball guy. So yeah. I, I loved talking with Gary. But uh, Gary had huge, huge experience in the notion of school district budgets. So we put together a plan where we were going to step by step go through each major functional area of the district and then get into a position where we can make recommendations. So we started that process in the spring of 20. 20- 
16. And then, um, you know, we were approaching um, the beginning or the, the preparation of the 2016 slash 17 school year budget that's usually approved in June. Mm-hmm. And a draft comes out in May. And we hadn't worked our way, obviously, through all the different departments, but we still wanted to weigh in on that particular item. And uh, the associate superintendent at the time, uh, Malaga Thalandi, was uh, was very cooperative with our group. And and um, but you're always kind of curious because she was part of the Collins regime mm-hmm. and he had heard all these rumors about the finances and she was in charge of it. Well, as we got deeper into this and as we began preparing for the um, for the presentations of the board, this is probably like in early May of 2016. Um, Gary Hamels and Malaga had been spending a lot of time together, and Malaga was, at the time, had just announced that she was going to retire. So she knew she was going to be out the door, and she became very forthcoming with information. I was surprised, but very pleased. And she was the one that alerted us to the structural deficit. And Gary saw that, and knowing what he knew about finance, says, this is the issue. He could see exactly. Yeah, Yeah, this is a big problem. And what we meant by a structural deficit was that the recurring expenses, the year-to-year expenses were exceeding the Mm year-to-year revenues. And so if you look at that structurally, we were overspending Mm -hmm. and in a deficit. But a lot of times that was cloaked because every once in a while you get a one-time gift of cash Mm -hmm. from Sacramento. And then it would kind of cover the Mm -hmm. structural deficit and make it the budget look okay. But uh, a structural deficit is eventually going to break. You are committed to spending yeah. more money than you know you're bringing in. Right. I get a lot of responses, yeah. and one in particular for safety. Uh, we are anticipating, or we project, that we could have this much money. And that's not captured. That's right. not committed revenue. So how much money do you have and budget within the money that you know you have? And then, of course, you should have some money set aside. Right. I work with the city of Carlsbad. Mm-hmm. Um, they have an, an innovation fund. Yeah. I mean, that's how you can really do strategic right. planning and you're mm-hmm. not constantly... You, but know, you have to have a scrambling. disciplined process yeah, to do camp. that. Yeah. And what the way, the way that Poway Unified was working then and it's working now is that whenever there is any incremental extra cash, the unions just jump on it, you know, and they want to get their fair share of it. But regardless of the implications down the road, mm-hmm. because a lot of times these one-time gifts of cash are literally just one time, but then those are used as justification for pay increases for the teachers and employee unions that have recurring uh, commitments with increases on in future years. Mm-hmm. So it creates a lot of distortion. So anyways, we... Gary identified with Malaga's help, wonderful help, the structural deficit. And then we said, this is the issue. And we presented that to the board at the time. And we were given five minutes to make our presentation. I remember that. I was at that board meeting. And we were like, Where it was like, do people not see this? This is is like a a warning. This is a big, big deal. And we only had five minutes. And and so as we got into this and explained it, Gary showed the numbers. Mm -hmm. And he said very clearly, he said, do not spend on any new initiatives right now because in the future you're going to have to cut them and Mm -hmm. start looking for ways to cut spending immediately because you're going to be in trouble. Mm -hmm. And he had looked at the projections for the next two or three school years out and it was big trouble because not only was there the structural deficit, but we also could see that the pensions were Mm -hmm. going to be uh, the increased costs there. So it was this storm was brewing. And and you're saying that was 2016, 2017. Seems like ages ago. As we're talking about this now, this all seems like ages ago. Um, And it was just a few years ago. It was just a few years. It's not just last year. Right. 
So we, you know, and so this was on the heels of, I think it was in early 2015, they had just given a big pay raise to the teachers and the employees, again, justified on a one-time gift of cash from Jerry Brown. And then the commitments down the road, mm -hmm. uh, the expense commitments, but no revenue commitments, because mm -hmm. you never know what you're going to get in revenue. Right. And teachers deserve a stable environment and of they course. need to work yeah. in a district that has a balanced budget that isn't spending yeah. all of its money on attorneys and fights. Right. Um, and so that it's very difficult because some people say, and, and I mean, I volunteered in the class in all of the classrooms uh, in elementary school. And I see how the teachers have to pay for everything out of pocket, just oh. like parents and grandparents are home selling wrapping paper and, you know, the countless fundraisers. And again, at innovations, it was a totally different environment. Yeah, it's like well, things are just funded. Well, yeah, because um, it, it's discipline. And you want the teachers yeah. to have excellent pay and smaller class sizes. And I remember at Innovations, there was an assistant in every classroom. I think Poway teachers used to have that. Now they just have more and more and more to do well, with because, less and less and less assistance. Well, well over 80% of the budget goes to personnel expenses. So salaries, benefits, you know. And so, you know, the, the reason that the budget has been squeezed so much is because not only are employees getting making more and more money, mm -hmm. but there are more and more, more employees, employees this year, especially. And so, if you look at the trend in school districts going back decades, the ratio of teachers to administrators has dramatically shifted. And so, the ratio now—I don't know the exact numbers—but there's far more administrators today per teacher than there were, mm. say, 20 or 30 years ago. And that's a lot of just overhead expense. And I know that those people do valuable work. Mm -hmm. That's important. But you only have so much money to go around mm -hmm. and you've got to be able to reward the proper people the right amount of money so they have a fair living wage and they're treated fairly. But you can't push the limit to the very edge to the point that you put the district in deficits. Mm -hmm. You risk um, exposing taxpayers to more financial calamities. Mm -hmm. And we already have the billion dollar bond. Mm -hmm. We still have, right? We still, we still have those still. massive payments, which As what are we paying for? Right. What are we going to get for those hundreds of millions of dollars? We're just putting the money in some investors' pockets. I think the key word is balanced. We're not right. balanced. You We're have not. to have a balanced budget. Right. You have to have balanced leadership and decision making. Right. And uh, Poway Unified has gone to a pretty, un I mean, certainly unbalanced budget. Um, but I think what we've seen on the board is that it's been unbalanced in the way that it's been governed mm -hmm. um, by TJ, Michelle, and then Darsh came on board. And that also did not add to healthy um, balance of responsible, um, you know, sharing of responsibilities and decision making. I think even just the way they used to rotate positions and then all of a sudden it became voted on, or, mm -hmm. or, you know, or it was just decided um, by that three majority and it hasn't served them well. That's that's uh, one of the sad things. And you we're know, dealing now with safety issues. That's to me how things have changed now. That all seems like a long time ago because now we're dealing with, you know, threats of school shootings. Yeah, I mean, it's a yeah, different, it is different, we're at a different level now. We are for teachers and students. We are, you know, and you're starting to see that in some of the campaign literature of some of the candidates, you know, they're embracing school safety, which is great, that makes sense. Of course. But, um, you know, to your point about the, the three to two majority, it was just, you know, I knew quite a bit about it, but I was blown away when I had the podcast interview with Charles Sellers, because mm -hmm. he really, I mean, he was just so frank. I mean, just so blunt in his ex explanation of it. And yeah, there the, there is a group of three that, 
you know, and there's another, a smaller group of two. Well, when you see it at the board meetings, even if you just walked in and didn't yeah. know anything, it's so unhealthy. But it's, 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 it, I mean, it's embarrassing it, to watch and it's just the way it is right now. It's almost like Congress, you know, where it's like the reds and the blues are fighting each other. And the ironic thing is, is that the parties of these individuals are kind of are intermingled. But, um, the, but it is, it's an unhealthy relationship and it's almost like, you know, I hate that group and mm-hmm. they hate that group. And it, it's just, it, it, it it's it's improper for what I would expect of an elected representative that's being a steward of, mm-hmm. you know, of our taxpayers, are their trustees of our school district. So, um, yeah, what Charles shared with me was just unbelievable. Um, yeah, I know you had watched that that mm-hmm. podcast. I thought I knew a lot, and I've you know been out of it for a little bit. Again, you're busy running your business and yeah. doing your day to day family, um, you know, having fun. Uh, but this is, um, I think, one of the most impactful public agencies in our lives. Oh, it's yeah. the local schools. If you're yeah. a homeowner, it's yeah. just part of the community. And if you're a parent, um, y- you know, your neighbors are all in, in it with you. But yet people don't really know what's going on. They don't. And there was the interim superintendent, Dr. Tony Apostle, really incredible person. He asked me to come into his office with some other community leaders um, you know, one was a, a military, um, retired military and other local business owners. Uh, it was a very small group. I think it was only four of us. And his number one concern was school safety. Um, coming from a school district in Seattle, he saw gaps immediately and said, that's what keeps me up at night is if there was an incident, we don't have the proper protocol in place. And I would not have control of the situation. And I can't imagine what the teachers mm-hmm. and the students would be under. Um, at that time, and I can't remember exactly if it was end of 2016 or end of 2017. Um, that just wasn't even really on our radar. And I remember me and one of the other uh, community members that was there was like, oh, this is Rancho Bernardo Poway. That's not an issue. You know, we're not like mm-hmm. a Seattle. Mm-hmm. Um, but that was a huge concern for him. And he put together a list of, was it the eight or 10 recommendations? Mm-hmm. Um, school safety was at the top. Mm-hmm. And Michelle and TJ refused to sit down to meet with him to review the list because he had dared to speak with families in the district Jeez. that were considered the enemies. And so he uh-huh. had to go. Um, you know, he later said to me, I didn't know I wasn't allowed to talk to certain people because there's kind of that culture of, oh, we don't talk to them. Yeah. Or, yeah. Um, and Just he said, and I would never unhealthy. have agreed not to talk to certain parents because mm-hmm. that's not the way a superintendent governs. Um, but he was, you know, pretty surprised. Um, and I think disappointed that, you know, we paid for him to be here and he um, had incredible expertise. I think he would have been an amazing superintendent for us, but he, you know, he put himself available for a permanent superintendent, but he was, I don't know if he was even interviewed. Um, We had, you know, we had the majority that didn't even want to meet with him. And lo and behold, a few months later, School safety is the most important thing. And yeah. um, we have the you know threats graffitied on the school after Parkland. Parents are really opening their eyes to that. Um, and yeah, you can have a huge forum and say this is the most important thing to us, but it needs to be important when you're when you're doing the early planning and we have to, you have to get ahead make, of it exactly and you make know? use of the resources that yeah. you're already that are already invested and you know just working on that a year before that the you know the threats and the incidents is what a responsible trustee would do at least listen to him right and maybe you'd have the reaction of oh it's not so serious in our community but at least obviously 
listen to him. Um, and I attended the safety forum and it was mm -hmm. a huge stage. And I thought the and DA- This is right after the RB of high course. incident, right? Yes, yeah, but parents, like yeah. I said, it takes everything to a different level. It's very different than are we budgeting appropriately for iPads or yeah. are people stealing money within the district yeah. as the superintendent- It's a whole different thing. Uh, taking you know, uh, vacation days he's not supposed to, to if something were to happen at my kid's school, are the teachers protected? Are the students protected? Are we prepared yeah. to deal with it? And so you can have you know a huge event. Um, I thought the district attorney Summer Stefan and her team did an amazing job. They're prepared. They've yeah. been working on these issues for many many years. But when it came to actually looking at the safety plan, um, I attended also at um, Rancho Bernardo and Bernardo Heights the community forum. Um, where Darsh said, we have a safety plan. They kept saying, we have a plan, we have a plan. And I kept thinking, but Dr. Apostle was very clear. The plans are not updated. Have they been updated in these few months? And I actually went down and, and looked at the plan and it had a date of, you know, I think it was like 2013. And it was, no, this is not updated. And there are, you know, things in here that talk about like 9-11 um, bombs, that's not the huge concern right now. We have school shooters. Right. So that's something that we have to be identifying. Um, so I had to follow up with that and um, talked with one of the um, sheriff's representatives from Poway. And he said, we used to do drills and we used to meet, but gosh, we haven't done that in a while. We should do that. And so, you know, it's a very delicate subject. Um, you don't want people to be unnecessarily um, concerned. Um, but you can't say we have a plan. Well, they have a plan now, right? I mean, well, is, it, is, it, is it a good plan now? I don't know, honestly. And what they yeah. were speaking to was, well, the site councils do safety plans. Um, and there's a, you know, there's board video where TJ, after the huge event had been put on, so how, how many hours were spent, right, to have the TV cameras and to say, you know, we are so on top of this issue. And then at that board meeting, He's saying, oh, the, the updates to the plans from the site councils don't make any sense. They have run on sentences. <laughs> they list dates that don't, July you know, 31st doesn't exist. Uh, and we're going to send this, we're going to certify this and send it off to, you know, I don't know if it's the state. Oh my gosh. Well, we can't do that. And the staff is saying, we're already late in submitting it. Just, you have to sign it and we have to send it. And it's just an incredible piece of video where you see, you know, if take the time to actually look at the material. Um, address it in a timely manner. Don't just go off saying that you're you've, you're on top of everything. Everything's great. Um, actually work through the budget. Actually work through the safety plans. Actually have a responsible, healthy, balanced process so that there are protocols and programs in place. Um, and that's not what happened with the safety plans. But of course, you know the headlines aren't going to show that. It's the big safety, you know, a lot of parents sat there and said, I still don't, like you said, I still don't understand where's the, where's the actual plan or when did they have the plan? And then mm -hmm. there was the hotline. Well, there was already a hotline, you know, again, you don't want to speak negatively and nobody wants to be negative, but these are negative developments. Mm -hmm. Having an unbalanced budget is negative. Right. These are negative topics. Right. Having KKK and Parkland was nothing graffitied and swastikas on your kid's school is incredibly negative, mm -hmm. you know, for the kids to see that. Mm -hmm. And so you're not going to be positive hunky-dory for issues like this, especially when the president of the board is saying, 
that there's an updated plan in place when there just is not. And I really appreciated uh, Superintendent in that same board meeting saying thank you, Mrs. Dow, because I spoke at that meeting uh, for pointing out that we actually need to uh, update our protocol. We need to do an assessment. That's what you do first is understand where you're at and then you understand what the plan needs to entail. And th- but that's what Dr. Apostle said. Um, when he developed his list of top priorities, if TJ and Michelle had been willing to meet with him at the time, um, they would have had that information and hopefully they would have acted on it. Unbelievable. Um, yeah, they just need to get out in front of these sort of things and you know manage properly. You know, right, it just seems exactly. like kind of common sense. You know, some of the work that you're doing when you're consulting with businesses, you know, there's a process right. that's put in place and you follow, you know, you know, a basic procedure. Mm-hmm. It's interesting to me that um, from a safety perspective that it's just kind of all left up to the sites. Now, granted, I know that there's nuances at each site, obviously, but you would think that there would be an overarching district mm-hmm. policy that would be appropriate. But um, you know, it's funny though because when you you see the the candidates and they're out campaigning, they always say it's for the kids. You know, I'm here to protect children, um, but what they end up doing is protecting employees, mm-hmm. protecting teachers. You know, and not even physically protecting them because that's I mean the teachers are yeah. in those schools also. Um, of course. You know, the district office is well fortified. Right. I remember um, Amanda Noves, the former teacher of the year. She dared to speak up about some things and had some issues after being Poway Unified School District's teacher of the year. Mm-hmm. Um, and she would point out, look at all the money that's spent so that nobody, you know, can get access to the superintendent. So there's a lot of security in place yeah. at the district. Yeah. Um, there was private security hired to follow one of the fathers and families. Um, I think it was something like $250,000 was spent. Really? Just, that was the whole issue with the Garnier family. Oh my gosh. Um, that's that's scary, right? And they, these are like rent-a-cops. And yeah. are, you know, are they armed on a campus mm-hmm. waiting to see what somebody might do? And then of course all the legal fees um, protecting the district from um, complaints. And mm-hmm. that's it's just the wrong place to spend the money. It's the wrong approach for a public institution. Mm-hmm. And it's a very unhealthy and it's a very unbalanced um, way to govern. Mm-hmm. And um, it serves you know the people that feel like they're tipped into the position of power, but it's not power that's going to lead to success. Maybe the current... Um, elected uh, members that have power, you know, Mm -hmm. TJ will move on to something else. And that's his plan. Mm -hmm. It's always been his plan. Mm -hmm. Um, But it's just from a sense of decency and a sense of responsibility and ethics, you leave everything better than you found it. That's really how it should be. Um, And it's sad to see that there are people who don't necessarily operate that way. No, it's it's interesting because um, politicians behave differently than, let's just say, the regular folks, right? Like you and I, because they just want to put a positive face on it. They don't want to upset anyone and they just want to then be able to move on to the next opportunity, Mm -hmm. right? Um, And I I think we see that with some of the candidates that are running right now in these races. Um, But, uh, you know, going back to what I was saying earlier, you know, you you see all this notion, it's for the kids, it's for the kids. And then when uh, Charlie Sellers was here, he's saying, well, if you want to help the kids, 
you hire more teachers, mm -hmm. you know, so you have more staff, you know, to your point, the assistants oh. in the classroom, you hire more of them as opposed to, that made. Yeah. to, as opposed to giving your existing teachers more money because that doesn't help a kid. And the teachers, I don't know if a lot of people really know this, but they, they're, the way that they're paid is that in, a, in an existing contract, they get raises nearly every year. They have this notion of called step and columns. Every year, seniority for the first approximately 10 years, they get a raise mm -hmm. every year. And then as they get more credentialing and more um, degrees, they get additional raises. Um, so there are still opportunities to reward teachers. Mm -hmm. um, but I think to your point, a balanced approach, uh, an approach that is looking after school safety, an approach that's looking out to provide better uh, resources in the classroom, more innovation in the classroom, that would be helpful rather mm -hmm. than having, uh, when once money is on the table, having like a pack of vultures come and swoop down on it. Because they deserve to be well paid mm -hmm. and they deserve to have assistance in the classroom. Yes. And they deserve to have fully funded music, arts, right. technology. That's right. And they deserve to have a fun, happy, positive, non-toxic yeah. environment. Yeah. Um, we all deserve that. With the amount of money that we're spending Mm -hmm. on the billion dollar bond, mm -hmm. um, the property taxes that we pay here, the amount that parents fundraise. I mean, we're you know a, a district that can afford, parents can afford to a painted rock. I think it was, hey, welcome to the school. You need to write a check for 250 bucks. Mm -hmm. Okay, you know we can do that, um, but we shouldn't have to be doing that. Mm -hmm. um, you shouldn't have to be constantly paying and volunteering um, for everything. There are districts that don't require that of their parents. Well, this, you know, here I'm gonna go down the channel of conspiracy theory here, just for fun. But sometimes I've often wondered this because you know, the teachers and the other employees are always getting as much as they can out of the budget, so they're compensated as much as they can. And it makes you wonder, do they, do they skimp on properly budgeting school supplies? and think that, oh, well, parents will donate for that. So let's carve out some of that money from the, from the school supplies and let's just provide that as more and more money for existing employees. I've often wondered that um, because it's silly. It's absolutely silly that parents are being, you know, teachers are begging parents just for tissue paper mm -hmm. and, and dry erase markers mm -hmm. and things like that. It's just unbelievable. There's plenty of money to go around but it's being spent on priorities that don't make sense. Well, I was at a foundation. All of the foundations would get together at the district. Um, and, you know, it's interesting because then you start to see the issues at other schools. Uh, and there were, you know, some of the parents were saying, why are we paying for light bulbs? Like, that's what some of our money is being used for. And granted, I think it was the light bulb for the projector. Those can get very expensive. But then a father from another district was saying the same thing as you and like and tissues. And that's what they're telling us they need. Yeah. We're used to capital campaigns or let's, you know, as part of a long, you know, multi-decade plan or at least multi-year plan. Yeah. We want to have a performing arts center. We want to have a solid robotics and coding program. Yeah. Um, how do we pitch in for that? But not they need erasers and there yeah. doesn't seem to be a plan for anything. So you would so you you would just see that there was a frustration. Yeah. Um, well, it's almost like, you know, you feel like the, the, these teachers are like in poverty or something, you know, or at least their budget for their classroom mm -hmm. was poverty level. And it was just insane. No, and they really don't have the supplies. I remember well, I know they don't. Because, you know, and Valley gets Title I money. So that's an interesting thing where they would at least get, I think, more federal money than maybe some of the other schools would. Um, but I remember seeing all of the books and the teachers, um, you know, resource area on the floor. And there were some of the classrooms, they had like bins, plastic bins with just a bunch of books in there. 
And I just remember thinking, you can't like even see what the books are. And I asked, maybe you need uh, bookshelves. I thought maybe that's something that the foundation could pay for. And they said, well, we keep putting it in as a request, but the district keeps telling us they don't have the money. Um, and again, they, they have back, plenty of money. Right. And, yeah. and we now see, well, I had I had an engineering firm that was moving. They had a bunch of bookshelves they were giving away. And I said, please, you know, let me have as many as as possible. Um, and then called around with parents trying to deliver them. I finally had to hire a moving company that day. Well, you know, and uh, it's like here's a parent having to bring bookshelves. This is stupid. <laughs> I mean, let me, I'm going to be blunt. There's too many administrators. There's too many people in the district office. There's too many non-teachers that are in the class that are in the school district, and they're spending too much money on people when they could be putting a lot of that money to providing the necessary supplies so people can teach. Mm-hmm. It's it's like the priorities are just whacked. The um, the school district, you know, has a budget that's over three times the size of the city of Poway's. It's, you know, hundreds. And the city of Poway employees are amazing. I've worked yeah. with some of their staff. They're incredible. The department directors. Yeah. Um, but the, right. But the, uh, you know, the school district, we're talking hundreds of millions of dollars. And teachers are begging for, for tissue paper. It, it, it's just a, a complete I mismanagement. Heard Charles Seller saying how much... Their, the budget has been increased in district staff in the in the district office. Yeah, and that he, he can't get an accounting of how much has been spent in legal costs, particularly they, they the to defend board members. That I mean, at some point, I do want to talk about. It's fascinating to me that you have board members who do weird things like blocking people on social media. You don't need to do that. I mean, mo- elected officials. Primarily don't do that. They get wacky comments. I work with a lot of these elected officials and public agencies. Uh, you're able to deal with it. You don't need to be blocking people. Um, and then that was, I think, where there was that ruling with President Trump that was blocking constituents and reporters yeah. from his Twitter. And he was found that was found to be unconstitutional. Right. So you have self-imposed behavior. Yeah. TJ and Michelle make the decision to block selective people who are being negative, who are asking them questions. Um and then they have to get attorneys to defend them, but they won't let the other board members know how much that's costing. Yeah. It's just like, w- why is that what we're dealing with? Right. Yeah. And the way sellers we're explained money it on. is that, you know, the, 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 the two of the board members are being sued because they've blocked people from accessing their Facebook pages. And um, they say that they can do it because it's my personal page. It's not my public figure page. Um, But then the school district decides to go in and defend them because they're school board members. But the but it's not a public figure page. So your legal defense is this is all personal. Yeah. But you're having the district spend our money. Right. Our taxpayer money is not going into the schools. It's going to defend your personal page. Because it's the page where you talk about yeah. board issues. It's just and so it's just it's disingenuous well, at all the this, different this, levels. This goes back to just what this school district, because of the billion dollar bond, because of the mistrust, because of the lack of transparency, what these board members need to be doing is to be extra open, extra transparent, extra public, mm-hmm. and then listen. Mm-hmm. Use you have two ears and one mouth and use them in proportion. They need to be listening to people, not blocking people. Mm-hmm. You know, they're That's a representative a of the constituents, it. and it just is very upsetting when you see this sort of thing occur. Um, and it's difficult, mm-hmm. um, but again, elected officials do it in special district cities, um, all around the region, all around the country. 
you know, you see special circumstances like you have this Ben Calasho Democrat in El Cajon. Yeah. So he also was sued for blocking. And so now they're having to deal through that issue. I mean, that's kind of a special situation. Just people who are acting incredibly irresponsibly. Um, I think that's what we're seeing with TJ Zane and Michelle. They're acting irresponsibly. And so from time to time, you get these, um, you know, little flashes and. You just don't want it to be something that actually takes over the entire institution. Right. And it really becomes a problem. Well, here's kind of an interesting analogy. And I don't want to go too far down this path. But, you know, the whole Kavanaugh thing is going on in D.C. Mm-hmm. And then did you see the, the, the well, you saw, I think you posted it, the video clip of Jeff Flake in the elevator. Mm-hmm. Okay. And uh, he was, I mean, he was getting hammered, okay, mm-hmm. by constituents. And if he were to do what, you know, some of our Mm -hmm. school board members are doing, they would have closed the elevator door, Mm -hmm. right? And blocked them. Mm -hmm. And he stood there and he took. He didn't run away. He didn't run away. He listened. I mean, he was humble and he was getting the equivalent of a series of punches in the gut. It was brutal. But it was painful for the women. It was that clearly were painful for them. I get it. Trying to make him see how this is impacting women as but a whole. But he was yeah. feeling it. He was he willing was, to stand there. And he was getting it. And he, But he wasn't shutting down the conversation. Mm-hmm. And so you would hope that public officials would follow a similar path mm-hmm. um, because they're representatives of the people. Right. So and there's nothing like losing the public's trust. I've seen it in so many different communities. You know, there's an agency I'm working with in Marin County. They did have an issue with the district attorney having to prosecute a general manager. Um, The community was very upset Mm -hmm. um, and there wasn't trust for a long time. But professional managers have come in. The new board members have truly worked together, have listened Mm -hmm. to their constituents, have implemented best practices. and. Trust has been restored. Yes. Uh, so I see it in different communities, and I just don't see it happening here no. yet. It's like Poway cannot move forward and heal and trust be restored when some of this toxic activity continues. And what I hear from the parents, you know, speaking now just as a mom, um, the parents are just tired and they don't want to see negativity and they don't want there to be negativity. Yeah. Um, and I get that, especially when it's so close yeah. to home, it's yeah. the school. Yeah. Um, but yet you look at how is your money being used? And again, why are you having to pay for all these things? And why doesn't your teacher have more support? Yeah, it's just insane. That's a, that's a negative development that does have to be addressed. And you have to have the difficult, like you said, you have to have the difficult conversations. But it's also just do the responsible work. Yeah. Just actually read the reports. <laughs> read the reports. Follow the advice yeah. of, of people that are giving you advice, right. You know, whether they be interim superintendents or IT consultants. But, you know, there, there is still, you know, issues related to transparency. There is still toxicity that exists within the school district. And now we have some elections that are coming up in about a month. I can't believe it. Okay. Yeah. And so there's now three races that are, that are going on. There's um, Area B, which is here in Poway, and there's uh, mm-hmm. three challengers running there, no incumbents. Area C, which is mostly RB and a little bit of Penasquitos, you have two incumbents running against each other and then one challenger. And then in Area D, there is um, one incumbent and then a challenger. Um, and this is all after the districts have been gerrymandered. Yeah, and I was going to say, know? I've been involved and I still don't even know yeah. what's what. Yeah, um, yeah. the whole uh, districting process was just incredible to see. Oh, yeah. um, 
you we know, had the majority of three people <laughs> that chose the districts. They chose them in such a way to protect their interests. Mm-hmm. You know, it's interesting when you look at a map of the of the Poway Unified. It's 100 square miles, roughly mm-hmm. about 10 miles by 10 miles, and four of the board members live within a roughly one mile radius, mm-hmm. and. And, and they carve that one mile radius, which is roughly two miles in diameter, into three districts just to protect each of these uh, incumbents. Mm-hmm. And now as a result, you know, in one race, Michelle O'Connor Ratcliffe, she is going to be a heavy, heavy favorite to win that particular race. And then in the um, District C uh, or Area C, you've got, you know, TJ Zane, Charles Sellers, Terry Norwood. TJ Zane chose that district. Mm-hmm. It's a district that leans 11% plus Somehow it just to the Republicans. out in a way that's yeah. very advantageous, right? Very Where advantageous. I had somebody from um, yeah. the Democratic Party in the union saying, it's not gerrymandering. He put himself in a district yeah. that doesn't have this or that. And I said, by your exact description of he put himself in a district, that's the elected official choosing his voters, not a balanced map right. that makes sense for the community. Right. And we're, you know, how sad is it to be a candidate that can't just run on your merit? Right. That isn't, I see uh, public service as a sacrifice. You step aside from your business and, you know, you're successful ideally um, in other pursuits in life, but you're willing, like you were when you ran, you're willing to step in and do that difficult work of mm-hmm. reading reports mm-hmm. and not it's not just about TV interviews right. or getting attention for the next race. Right. Um, you know, to not be able to just run based on your true accomplishments, based on the merit, um, that's, you know, it's almost like sometimes cheating takes more effort than just doing the work. My husband always says that to the boys. Mm-hmm. Always spend time just doing the work um, and you'll earn, um, you know, the grades or you'll earn yeah. the mm-hmm. achievement, whether mm-hmm. it's in sports or whether it's in the classroom. But to have to carve and, you know, they're plotting, they're always plotting and everything's very calculated. And, you know, I, I always ask, like, what job did TJ step away from? in order to be a public servant? Or is this just an extension of what he's always done, which I understand and what he describes himself to be a political agitator? So that's basically the job, right? Mm -hmm. Is to just try to pull in one direction and a pretty extreme version, because I work with primarily primarily Republicans. I have a lot of incredible mentors um, who are, were Republicans. Um, I'm no party preference, but I was a registered Democrat and I got fed up with some things Mm -hmm. after working at the White House and after seeing some things in the Democratic Party. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, but there are balanced conservatives, you know, they're oh, yeah. all over our um, our city and our county. And it's just strange to me to kind of take your political agitating and then bring it into especially your schools. I mean, what I hear from all of my Republican friends is like, hey, wait a minute, we want Republicans to win. but This is affecting our schools like this is not mm-hmm. what we want. You know, it's like a little too close to home, you know, do that maybe you know, at national races, mm-hmm. um, but we definitely don't want this mess in our schools. Mm. You know, it's, there's so many paradoxes in this race. And, and to, let me just respond to what you said. You're no party preference, so am I. So I'm not Republican. <laughs> the true I, independent, right? Yeah, I'm not Republican. Yeah, well, yeah, <laughs> that, he said. I, I got such a laugh so out of those ads. It, TJ Zane, the independent. It, it's just interesting. And, you know, regardless, I, you see this with a lot of candidates. And you look at the slogans that they put forward and you compare that to what the reality of what they vote for, and they mm-hmm. often are completely the opposite. Or they're, you know, like for example, there are 
Republican candidates or Republican incumbents that are hardcore Republican, but yet are supported by a teacher's union, which after they had made scathing right. remarks the about unions. The unions are the enemy, which they're not. Yeah, so you have That's this. That's what's this so is crazy. A, this is a yeah. weird deal. This is, I guess, strange bedfellows. Mm-hmm. Then there are other cases where there are candidates that are you know, proclaiming to be champions of taxpayers and of mm-hmm. fiscal responsibility, but then they're also endorsed by those same teachers unions or employee unions that demand so much compensation that it puts the school district into the structural right. deficit. Right. The absolute opposite of right. what a taxpayer so that's, that's fiscally irresponsible to do that. But it's just that um, incestuous relationship where the unions back the candidate and then the candidate backs the union. Mm-hmm. So the unions give money to the candidate, give support to the candidate. And then when the candidate is elected, they in turn give those employees more money, more pension, more mm-hmm. bonuses, more benefits. Well, and the candidate's job has been in a party that has trained their side yeah. uh, that the unions are the enemy. Yeah. But when it serves that person specifically, they're willing to give away whatever needs to be given away from the institution that they're yeah. supposed to be representing yeah. and protecting, again, yeah. because self-service goes above principle, goes above common sense. Yes. Um, it's, you know, I think it's just irresponsible. And the question becomes, will people become informed? Um, will people take the time to read some of these reports or watch a podcast uh, like you've been putting together? Or will they only see their narrow um, stream of information? And when you look at a TJ or a Michelle, where they're blocking anybody who might raise some questions, and you know, that's that's not just acting as a candidate, that's acting as a trustee, mm-hmm. as a public representative. Mm-hmm. If you mm-hmm. have a negative comment, that'll be deleted, of course. Um, you know, and it's... It's it's just it's unhealthy. It's we just get, we very should, unhealthy. Maybe we should do Yelp reviews for them so they can't delete the negative comments. You know what people do though is people know and they're talking yeah. to their friends and they're mm-hmm. talking to their neighbors and um, most of the criticism that I see are from Republicans that say you know this is not what we want for the future um, of our party locally. I mean there are a lot of them very upset what's happening with the Republican Party obviously under the Trump administration. This yeah. is not the direction that they want. Um, mm-hmm. You know, at the national level, of course, the party chairman, Tony Kovarik, is stepping down um, because that's not the direction. Mm-hmm. And certainly the young, um, you know, young Republicans. Um, but a lot of, again, my mentors for many years, that's not the direction that they've wanted to go in. But right now, what is the alternative? And so I think it's, you know, community members just trying to figure that out. Well, um, who well, are going to be the leaders? It's up to the voters to get beyond the feel good slogans to get beyond, you know, we all, you know, if they're supported by teachers, they must be good, mm-hmm. you know, to kind of get beyond that mm-hmm. and really look at what are the prop proposals that they're presenting? What are the innovative ideas or big ideas that they're bringing forward and try to be skeptical when you see people are endorsed by parties or if they're endorsed by right. unions then really think about that and understand what that really means. Um, so it, it's on the voters to really pay attention. The, the, the problem, of course, is that a school district, the, the vote is so far down the ballot. Mm-hmm. You know, the Congress, congressional races are going to get a lot of attention. Of course, in the city of Poway, there'll be a lot of city council. But by the time you get to the school district, most voters aren't experts, you know, I would mm-hmm. say. Um, but But you also have the candidates selecting their voters and most 
um, people putting their name up for public service, that's not their full-time job. You know, no. like Charles spoke, he's a CPA, he's a true taxpayer's advocate, yeah. but he has a business to run. Yes. Um, and he has not been, you know, working the, the party machine for decades um, and knowing in house by house, literally, voter by voter, Boy Scout troop by Boy Scout troop, business <laughs> by business, like right. exactly what I have to promise and what I have to do and what I have to be and what I, huh. you know, so there are some candidates like TJ Zane who it's just this machine and that's really all they do. I don't know that that's the best public trustee, that that's really a person that um, can govern. It's well, a different, you know, it's a different approach, but your average person is not um, is just not going to muscle their way into carving up a district yeah. and, and, you know, kind of having the machine plow through, you know, kind of like you're speaking of Kavanaugh, we're going to ram this person in one way or another. Yeah. yeah. Um, and it's just, again, it's, um, it's very disheartening, especially for our young people to see that this is the process and maybe this is the reality of how it's been done in the past, but this is not how it's always been. And this isn't how it works in every community. You, I work with a lot of very balanced, mm -hmm. um, board of directors, you know, public agencies. Um, it's, you know, gosh, it's, this is just not the type of, environment that you want for the people even that are in that environment. I feel yeah. bad for the new employees that have come on to Poway Unified. I mean, oh, yeah. it's um, it's a very difficult environment. They're stepping into a hornet's nest to a degree and yeah. unbeknownst to them because they probably think, oh, this is a lovely school district that has all these great scores. Mm -hmm. and I've it's read a all about it. And, yeah, and a wonderful community. We've we lost a lot of teachers, a lot of the best teachers, administrators. Mm -hmm. um, you know, I think they just, they have a job to do. They have a passion. They want to do it well. And Poway Unified wasn't always the place where they could do it. And so mm -hmm. it's been interesting to see a lot of leaders that have left, um, you know, at High Tech High, or um, I talked about the principal at Valley Elementary. He went off to Lakeside School District. He's now the superintendent. They have a balanced budget. They have fully funded arts, fully funded robotics. And, um, you know, from everything I hear, it's a really great environment. My friend is the president of the school board at Santee. Um, I used to call her for advice on the technology, and she was just in shock. Like, what do you mean you guys don't have this plan? And, you know, who are you working with? Don't you have? You, you, what about your CIO or your tech person? Um, it's just it's not like this in other places. And no. I don't know how we're going to fix it here. It's 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 really yeah you're right. It's not like this in other places. Mm -hmm. What's interesting is you know as I've been doing this podcast, I've had an opportunity to interview candidates and incumbents for here at the city of Poway. You know, running for mayor or for mm -hmm. city council, and so you, you talk to them and and you learn that. You know, generally speaking, Poway is a pretty well-run city. Oh, you know, yeah. It has a, a consistent string of balanced budgets. It's got, mm -hmm. it has a very healthy reserve. In fact, the reserve was almost too much, and they had to deploy some of the money because they were too fiscally prudent. Mm -hmm. um, so the city here is run so well, and you start, you start to, you know, I, I'll sometimes I'll make a offhand remark uh, when I'm speaking with a city council person, gee, I wish the people at Poway Unified follow the same practices. And then sometimes the eyes roll. Well, they like, say we really don't appreciate that people think it's Poway yeah. that caused this mess. Yeah. You're right. The city yeah. is well run. Yeah, um, so. But the district is called Poway Unified, um, although a lot of the schools are in San Diego. They are. So, you know, you start to maybe also look at city of San Diego. Hey, you know, you yeah. also care about kids and right. education. A lot of the schools, I live in Rancho Bernardo. I'm in the city of San Diego. I've talked to council members for the city also, and their response is we've got enough going on at the city 
Good luck. Good well, yeah. luck with what well, you're trying to yeah, do. I mean, yeah, at the, the school district, we just can't course. get involved. Yeah, of course they can't get involved. But I, I just think it's just so amazing how different they are mm-hmm. in terms of the way they're managed, their culture, their discipline. It's just completely different. And then, you know, it's interesting is I, there's some voters here in Poway that I've gotten to meet, you know, either in person or through social media. And then when there's conversation about the school board, they just sort of shake their head. They're like... I can't figure out what the heck's going on over there. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a mess. And it's always been that way, you know. And then when I ran in 2014, people told me that I was nuts. You know, they said, you are stepping into just the worst possible situation. Are you sure that's what you want to do? Mm-hmm. And I felt, yeah. I didn't know about a lot of the history, but yeah, you slowly start to find yeah. out and it's like. It's unbelievable. So, you, so, you know, in, in some ways there's been some things that are good. Okay, you know, Collins is gone. His, his uh, regime is gone. There's still lingering pieces of that culture that are there that need to be removed. But you also have members of the board. Right, I was gonna that, say that, the board at least, I mean, Todd Gutschow, I used to have coffee with him and just the level of professionalism was so different where you had true responsible um, adults, honestly, is the way that I'll put it. Um, True conservatives where, you know, you wouldn't dare spend more money. Um, You would just would have a balanced budget. You would just have you would make decisions that would make sense. Right. Then you get into the actual bond. Yeah. He made a bad decision there. But I mean, I I thought the world of him, you know, Todd, rest in peace. But um, and, and the same with Mark, Mark Davis, good guys. You know, and generally speaking, they made good choices. They made a bad decision on the on the bond, the billion dollar bond. But um, and I think the public could have been more involved um, to make that decision, because I do remember having conversations with some of the board members at the time. And they said, what else were we supposed to do? The public wanted new facilities, (laughs) but they didn't want to pay taxes. And so we wanted to give them again to get reelected. We wanted to give them what they were asking for. And this is just the way we did it. Well, don't make decisions. I mean, my gosh, it's just a school board, right? Wait, Unless wait, wait. you have higher aspirations. Well, did you then, live here then when that was going down, when the vote was going I did, in 08? I did, but I was um, working with uh, leading a startup, GovPartner, and I was all over the country, uh, yeah. in Houston, all over the uh-huh. East Coast. In fact, a lot of friends, when we sold the startup, a GovPartner, um, they said, oh, you're back now. And I said, yeah. well, I was never gone. I always lived in Rancho yeah. Bernardo. I used to live on the west side, and now we yeah. live um, a little bit more you know, east of the fifteen. Um, and because my kids were starting school and so I was always here, but just wasn't really paying not even that much attention to city of San Diego. Mm -hmm. Um, Carl DeMaio was my councilman. I went to go meet with his office. I thought it was so wonderful. I've got this young councilman and he's using technology. He's got a mobile app. This is great. And then I started to kind of really see, you know, who this councilman was (laughs) and started to get up to speed with what had been happening at my city. And then, of course, at my school district. Yeah, it was interesting in in 08 when I think it was 08 when they when they were going through this bond process. This is before it became the billion dollar bond. Mm -hmm. And for me, as a taxpayer, as a kind of a fiscal conservative, when I'm looking at a ballot, it's extremely difficult for me to ever vote yes on a bond. Right. Okay. Right. So uh, usually on almost every bond, no, 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 no. And so. Unless you specifically know this is something uh, yeah, that's. It, yeah. But those are very much the exception to the rule. 
So when this whole thing was going down in 08, there was this big vote in, in here in Poway, and I guess maybe parts of San Diego for the, this portion of mm -hmm. the district. And everyone was saying, it's for the kids, it's for the kids. And if we don't do this, the schools are going to collapse and, you know, the roofs are going to cave. And there were bigger class sizes. Yeah. I do remember my friends and, with and, older kids saying, it's getting out of control. And, and I was thinking to myself, okay, this is a bond. I'm going to probably vote no, but I can't say this to people because they think that if you vote no on the bond, you suddenly want, you know, children to starve or something, mm -hmm. you know, that's kind of how the whole thing is spun. Um, but, you know. And it's crazy how much more yeah. money the taxpayer oh. is going to be spending. Well, yeah, you figure versus for every, another option, another funding option. For, for every dollar the taxpayers are spending, 90% of that's it's insane. going to investors and only 10% is going to the schools. Well, I and mean, the money's already been spent, right? Well, I yeah. mean, it's, we it's, have whatever we had. Was the, and were the construction projects managed well? No, well, well I, I mean, they, they still need more money. I mean, sure. um, uh, you know, there's still infrastructure problems at Rancho Bernardo High School. Um, you know, the Poway High Gymnasium is just, ridiculous. I mean, you, you go in those locker rooms, they're just awful. I just came from parent night and that was what struck me was yeah. the PE teachers begging for dish for washing detergent. Yeah. You know, we're desperate. Well, that's part of the operating soap. budget. We need soap. And I thought, oh, here we go again. I'm yeah. back at... <laughs> So, you know, the, I'm back at Poway Unified. They, they spent a great deal of money. It didn't really solve the problems that they promised they were going to solve. Then on top of it is that you don't start paying the bill until like, I think about 2033. And then from that point forward, it goes for 20 years. Well, by the time we get to 2033, they're going to need a whole other right. bond to fix all the things that are actually broken now well, in 2018. And also you look at the district didn't get itself in the discipline of having responsible financing. Yeah. And that's where I'm saying, that's where the difficult conversations have to be had with the public. Yes. So public trust goes two ways. Yes. You trust your elected officials to be doing things in public service, not in self-service, yes. not just for the next yes. position that they hope to have. And, you know, gosh, could I make it to D.C. or could I make it to Sacramento? Big ambitions. Um, you know, do that on your own dime. Well, that's how the you city know. of Poway does so, it. They they run a it's a very structured, disciplined process. Almost always they have a surplus. That surplus goes into mm -hmm. their reserves. And then they vote, you know, as a council on what the priorities are, you know, and they stack rank the priorities and then they choose to conservatively peel out a little bit of the mm -hmm. reserves and they apply it to these initiatives. And they have long range plans. And they have long range plans. Yeah. So, you know, for example, they're, um, you know, they're redoing, you know, they're burying the electric lines along mm -hmm. the spot. Undergrounding, yeah. we're seeing in all the communities. That, that's been like a big initiative they wanted to do forever. Then, then they're also talking about do, doing a redo of the, uh, or rebuilding the, the community senior center that's going to be the Kafania Center. But again, they've saved money for mm -hmm. it. You know, they're not going out and financing it with bonds that make the costs extraordinary. So it's a disciplined process. And that's the thing that is just so mind-blowing is that Poway Unified School uh, Headquarters is just a few miles from Poway City Hall. Those two need to get together and learn from each other. Well, the learning probably go in one direction, yeah. you know, so um, it's remarkable. And it's incredible that it's not a large school district, um, you know, but my husband's from the East Coast. His sister uh, married a German and they live in Hamburg. I have family in Norway. I have family in Spain. I have family in Mexico. We have friends all over the country. And when we get together, you know, people, and it's because so much is shared on Facebook. So you kind of get caught yeah, up to speed yeah. on what people are doing. The number one thing that I get asked about is what's going on with your school district now? <laughs> Tell me. Yeah, it's, it's, it's and, insane. You know, it's like months after, you know, yeah. six months will go by, a year will go by, and I'll try to explain some of what's happening. And they just cannot believe it. They, you know, 
they just say, you know, are you serious? Those numbers must be off. Yeah. Or, um, you know, what do you mean they wouldn't meet with their own superintendent? Well, or what do you mean they wouldn't yeah. give something as basic as a jo- job oh. description? Or, you know, what's the job description for the person that's currently in that job? Just all these different examples where I just have to say, I know, I don't know how it's happening, but this is the way it's happening. And it's getting crazy because we've had crazy board meetings. Um, you know, some of them are scary. and yeah, Even after oh, Collins has been ousted. Right. That, um, I know that was actually what was a big eye opener for me was, okay, once I, because I, my first time ever speaking in front of the Power Unified School Board was as a member of the foundation to talk about the 5K run, the big annual mm-hmm, fundraiser. Mm-hmm. And I spoke Dr. Collins's praises. You know, I said, we're a nationally recognized <laughs> school district. Yeah, I repeated yeah, the talking points yeah, and yeah. he goes to the White House. Yeah. Why is everyone yelling? I didn't know why the yeah. teachers were there in their shirts and screaming. And I thought, oh my gosh, I have my boys with me. They're like scared. And you know, why is everybody yelling? Well, then I started to find out a little bit more. And ultimately, when Dr. Collins was finally gone, because it was worse than anybody could have imagined, um, things still did not get better. Things got worse in different ways. And because it was, okay, this person was clearly not capable of continuing responsibly in that position and has done some things that were wrong and um, I mean, I think he, he pled guilty to a criminal yeah, he did. charge. Yeah. Um, he didn't go to prison. No. There's people that tell me he's in prison. I said, I don't no, think he's, no, he's in, in prison, but it was pretty bad. But the person's gone and you still see some of he's that st- toxic environment and just, um, yeah. The, yeah, the, way, the way you change the culture is you change the leadership. Okay. And uh, that's already partly been done. Um, but, you know, we, the superintendent's new, the administrators at the associate level are, are new. But the school board is, you know, there's still people on the school board that were aligned with Collins that remain on the school board. And the superintendent um, didn't come in into a healthy environment and didn't come in in a fully transparent manner. And that's not fair to the person. Um, But it's, you know, again, it's okay. here we go. We're going to start to repeat um, some of the negative I guess I'll call them habits at this point. I mean, yeah. it's just what, what you're seeing in the district. And it's not it's not good for anybody. When I hear my parents saying, vote them out, just vote everybody out, I have to say, hold on a second. Well, there's some good there's ones. There's Kimberly Beatty, yeah. who's been there, you know, fighting and asking questions. And I think because she asks questions and because she refuses to just rubber stamp things um, or has refused to, you know, kind of play mm-hmm. the game of like, what do I need to say just to be part of the crowd? And right. God knows what new billion dollar disaster we might be creating, but let's just all do it happily together. Um you know, she's seen as somebody who's negative. But again, these are negative topics. And you can't just smile and tell everybody everything's better, but not acknowledge the fact that you're back in debt. And mm-hmm. you are saying that there are safety programs in place when you can look at the plan yourself and you can talk to the police officers and, and you know, they will tell you, no, we actually don't have everything updated. And if what you're calling an updated plan is a one page that doesn't exactly make sense full of typos with dates that don't exist, mm-hmm. that's not what you would hold up to say, this is what's protecting my kids and the teachers, just mm-hmm. any reasonable person if you took the time to actually look at it. Right. So parents just have to take a look at what's actually happening. So what is the black and white, not the ads and not the right. happy election, you know, or well, it's campaign true. It's talk. true in any election. What's the yeah. reality? Yeah. You have to go beyond the veneer of the 
you know, the beautiful painting that each candidate puts forward. Mm -hmm. And I think with incumbents, you have to be skeptical. You know, you have to really look at what their voting record is and what their behavior has been as a board member and what they've spoken out about. Because uh, some board members are brave mm -hmm. and some are cowardly. You know, and some will just try to skate by so there's no problem created so they can move on to new opportunities. So, um, you know, uh, this process is interesting. You know, as we're going through meeting with candidates and learning, I've only had one school board member that's, that's visited me and there's an open invite for any other candidate to come here, whether you're an incumbent well, or a challenger. Well, if you're not a voter in that specifically carved district, you probably aren't a person that some of the candidates are willing to talk to. So for example, I'm very disturbed that our current board president, TJ Zane, doesn't answer questions. Um, everybody's familiar with that automatic reply. Sorry, you know, I'm not reading the emails. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, send, send your question elsewhere. Um, but there are very specific questions and there just hasn't really been the setting. Um, you know, to find out like what exactly is your job and um, you know, how will this budget be balanced? And why were you saying that there was a safety plan in place when the plan has been acknowledged to not uh, be updated at the time that you were saying, we're on top of it, everything's updated. Why didn't you meet with Dr. Apostle? Right. Um, so, you know, everyone else is willing to answer questions and talk. Um, how are you the leader at the level of the president and you are just una unwilling to answer questions right. unless it's with that specific Republican voter who, you know, you're pretty clear on what they want to mm -hmm. hear and you'll just say what each person wants to hear mm -hmm. only if they are in your district <laughs> right? and they're going to potentially be voting for you. It's unbelievable, you know, so these people, yeah, they're representatives of their district, but when they were elected, they were, rep they were elected at large, mm -hmm. right? And so you know, they were put there in that place as an at-large candidate and they need to be responsible at large. But even a, even a person that is a trustee of a district still needs to be open and still needs to communicate and be transparent with all the parents mm -hmm. in the district, not just the ones that can potentially vote to reelect them. Right. And that has nothing to do with party. That's just a right. respectable, of, professional of adult leader where give me the questions. Um, you know, there's everybody makes mistakes. There's nothing wrong uh -huh. with not doing everything in hindsight exactly the way right. Um, right. that you would have, you know, you would now decide to do it. But you have the conversation, you're open, you answer the questions and you grow from that. You don't just, you know, uh, block people <laughs> just, and then put out a different narrative of, uh, no, 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 none of that happened. This is what happened when the people that were actually there, um, you know, are showing the documents and saying, um, let's address reality. Right. And the reality is it's not getting better. Um, we are in some, in some ways, because we're not on a healthy path to balancing the district and balancing the budget, it is getting worse. Yeah. It is. It is a problem. And the, the people that are endorsed by the unions are the ones that are pro proclaiming to be fiscally responsible, which doesn't it doesn't match, um, at least in the current environment, it doesn't match. So, you know, you look at these um, these three races um, here in Area B, you know, there are three people running You have one that's endorsed by the teachers union, one that um, is a as a community dynamo that has done a lot of work here in the city in the city of Poway but is also supported by teachers as opposed to the teachers union. 
And then the third candidate we already mentioned is Kim Garnier, who's been extremely uh, vocal, has been an activist, and in in, uh, in, has been partly responsible for the ouster of Collins. So here, and this is our district who we're voting for. Um, I haven't made up my mind on who I'm going to vote for. Seriously, I haven't. And um, I'm going to get to a point where I'm going to do endorsements. I think mm-hmm. that'll be kind of fun since I have a podcast. I'll tune in. I'll certainly yeah, tune in. Yeah. So, but I, I want to give all the candidates a chance to come forward so I can learn and meet mm-hmm. them. I've extended invitations to all three of them. Um, Kim Garnier says she's going to come in. We haven't scheduled the I time. I think they're in Hong Kong right now, right? I think so. Yeah. That's why I saw photos on Facebook. You know what I also yeah. learned was that coming back on, on a trip from Hong Kong, her husband, Chris, was actually stopped and asked about the Power Unified restraining order. And I mean, just to think that all the shenanigans and craziness that happened here at the district follow somebody when they're on a business trip and they're coming on an international flight. Well, um, I mean, I really think that that family has gone through what you wouldn't wish on anybody um, to be banned from your kid's school literally not be able, you know, I, I at one point wrote, that's hurting the child. You're not allowed to be there on Father Sunday. Um, it's, you know, I, I didn't know them at the time. I just had friends that were at Painted Rock that said, gosh, we know that family. They're really nice. What happened? Um, they used to live down the street from me and they used to volunteer. And now all of a sudden there was this like explosive confrontation. Um, you know, I talked with a board member at the time who told me, oh, John said that person can't serve. Um, so yeah, John, that's John, John Collins? Collins. Okay. You know, I'm sitting there going, wait, you guys can't, why the, the superintendent can't say a parent. I mean, if there is a problem, then obviously uh, don't let them run. Um, you can't meddle and say, oh, we're not going to actually let you serve. I mean, of course the person's going to get upset. And again, you get into these unhealthy practices. Yeah. Why is that happening? That shouldn't be happening. You don't have, um, you know, the district office trying to rig things so that a certain person who is elected by other parents can't do the volunteer role. It's just not something that you would have. And so um, I didn't know the people at the time. I would just kind of hear some snippets here and there. Um, And I just remember thinking like, gosh, we don't have a lot of African-Americans in this community. It's a biracial couple. Um, I don't know them. I don't know what happened. All I know is the sheriff's there and apparently Channel 10 is there. And this this is scary for everybody. And this isn't good for the kids. Whatever happened, how did it devolve to this point? Um, Again, I was singing Dr. Collins' praises at that time. But I just remember thinking, how do you collapse in your ability to handle issues and lead the district and unite the families to have this happening? Why? And he's banned from the school. That's... That sounds awful for, again, for the kids. And so to me, it was a failure of leadership from the top until I started finding out a lot of it was caused from the very top. And it's, you know, the one thing I remember saying once to Dr. Collins was you need to take responsibility for the amount of chaos and pain that you're causing amongst families and neighbors and friends. Everybody's fighting. Um you, you need to take responsibility for that. And he said, you take responsibility. And I said, well, I am. I'm standing here talking to you. Um, it's well, just, yeah, there's, see, again, we, this we is, haven't had that acknowledgement yet. Of, this is what a good leader does. Yeah. A good leader sets the tone, sets the example, it establishes the culture. Well, something like that would have never happened, I think, under a good leader. Oh, I clearly. Because if, if there was a problem, it would have been addressed <laughs> properly right. and it would have been resolved. Right. You know, instead, you know, gasoline was thrown on the fire and right. it just became a lot uglier. 
and you push people's buttons and you're dealing with their kids, yeah. um, people have to be responsible for their behavior. Yeah. I truly believe that. Uh, but it was a unique circumstance. And I remember being at board meetings with some of the moms saying, we should say we're afraid of him and then he won't be able to come to the meetings. Mm-hmm. You know, and I'm thinking, are you afraid? You know, oh, we'll look at him. Well, he's a large black man who speaks in a loud voice. Um, I'm frankly more afraid sometimes from what might come from the other side. But how are we in this situation? Yeah, it was silly. Where I mean, it yeah, got these out of meetings control. are completely out of control. And so yeah. I, I really see it as... That was such a, I mean, gosh, that just set off, um, you know, a very painful time, I think, oh, yeah. in our district. And I, I think for their family specifically, um, it's a very difficult situation. It, it, it is. And, you know, it's fascinating when you look at the race here in Area B, because all three candidates have have great strengths. I don't know. Um, Ginger, I think, is one of the Ginger candidates. Ginger Couvret is... Which I hear wonderful things about. Very involved, right? Extraordinarily involved. I mean, she was the president of the Poway Sports Association, has done so much at Poway High and for youth soccer, and she's a community dynamo, right. one of those volunteers right. that just does so much. She ran Jacko Smash, which was a huge fundraiser effort for special needs families. And then uh, I don't know the other... I've met him. Then, I mean, well, I've seen Kevin him before. Kevin Juza, who I, I've invited here in the podcast... I don't know much about him, but he is backed by the teachers union. So he's going to have huge support. And I don't know about you, but on my Facebook feed, it is there, there's a constant like 20 second video of him talking about his children and the reasons he decided to run for office. And there's a heavy stream of it. So you've got a, a, a candidate that's backed by the teachers union that's going to get gigantic support um, and endorsements and, you know, mailers and all kinds of money being backing that candidate, a community dynamo that's extraordinarily well-known and liked, and then uh, another person who is a community activist Mm -hmm. that has made a lot of friends because of their bravery, but has also created some enemies. Mm -hmm. And so how is this going to sort out? I mean, right now, if you told me I had to bet, I don't know who I'd pick. And that's why I'm really interested to see how this race turns out. The other race, Area C, which is Zane, Sellers, and, and Norwood, you know, that race was, the district was chosen in right. advance. And so I think- very specifically. Yeah, so Zane is going to be a heavy favorite. Um, I'd be shocked if he didn't win. Yeah. Um, but I think that uh, much in the same way that people are just in shock about what we see with the Trump administration, a lot of people, you know, voted for him. People in my family mm-hmm. are the biggest Trump supporters you'll ever meet. Yeah. So we have some interesting conversations, uh, but things are getting, you know, just really crossing the line and they're just like, okay, it's been great, but let's have it be over soon because, you know, it's just it's mm-hmm. uh, difficult and very painful in different ways. Um, I think that it'll be interesting to see how people vote. Um, and like I said, a lot of, you know, not Republicans. I don't know about that district specifically, but a lot of Republicans I know say we're all about, at, you know, at all cost, you know, plotting and get out there and get them. But don't do that stuff in our schools. We don't want favors and um, mm-hmm. that type of leadership when my kid's about to go into elementary, you know, kindergarten. Yeah. Save that for your hacking and, you know, do that somewhere else. So there's, and and then of course the people that do look at the actual financials, um, again, do that with your money. Don't put my district into debt and I'm sick of having to pay out of my pocket for things that the school needs. So it'll, it'll, you know, I think a lot of people might um, have their conscience lead them in a different way when it comes to voting. Um, I think more voting against TJ Zane. Now, who they actually do vote for, 
Um, Charles, I think, has, you know, my uh, my view has been where have these people been to set things right during an incredibly difficult time? And I think Charles has been very steady um, and he and Kimberly Beatty um, have stayed focused on doing the right thing um, that haven't been very effective because of the block of three that mm-hmm. have been doing, I think, some very irresponsible things. Um, but when Charles said that he voted against those raises, even though his wife would have received yeah. the raise, that was just a, such an incredible moment for me because here you have, and I think he's an independent also, right? I don't know if no, he's, he's a, a Democrat. Democrat. Yeah, yeah. Oh, even worse. Here you have a Democrat mm-hmm. saying, I'm going to do the financially prudent thing and I'm going to be responsible. Because he's a CPA. And vote no yeah. to put us in debt, even though a lot of that money would come into my own household and my wife's going to be maybe pretty upset. And then you have the supposed conservative Republican, the longtime party operative TJ Zane, you know, don't let the unions get out of control and, you know, let's be responsible. And he's the one that's voting for whatever the union asks for and putting the district in debt because of that vote. And the Democrat is doing the responsible thing at his own personal cost. Yeah. Um, It's. So, yeah, I mean, it's like bizarro world in Superman where everything's the opposite. So um, but but here you have a Democrat acting in such a responsible way. Wouldn't it be great if the Republican also acted in such a responsible way? And then we would have like like a Poway, a responsible adult governance. Well, you you would hope that. Yeah. Structure. And the other uh, Terry, I think you said Terry Norwood. Yeah. Yeah, And I know her also. And she's wonderful. She would make a wonderful board member. Um, so that's uh, that's going to be an interesting one. Well, it will. I mean, you figure that you look at that race and you got Zane, heavy favorite. It's 11 percent GOP, you know, skewed district. You've got a candidate who is a Democrat who in sellers who now has been branded as anti-labor because he didn't vote for the um, for the raises. And then that has opened the door for. Norwood to get the um, Democratic Party endorsement. And then all the unions are supporting Zane because he's always voted for the, the well, and I think they're pay raises. Because of what's to come, yeah. right? So promises are made and right. sure, do it with our money. Why not? So, right? so structural deficits be damned. Right. They want to make sure they get what they want. So now Sellers is in and a large degree. And they're doing their job. They're at the negotiating table. You're just supposed to have somebody on the other side yeah. of the negotiating table. Yes saying, okay, let's come to an agreement yes. that's healthy. Right. I mean, if the union's job is to get as much as possible, they're doing what they do for their members. Of course. But if TJ Zane's on the other side saying, well, okay, if I give you that, will you give me the endorsement? Right. And can that then help me in different right. ways? Again, there you have that's a very unhealthy right. situation. If right. instead he's a true conservative, he's fiscally responsible, and he says, okay, but let's take a look at the overall yeah. health of the district. We can't do that much, but we can do this much. Uh, that would be the responsible thing to do. You would think. You would hope. You would hope. But <laughs> that's just not how the, situ- the system is operating. So, um, yeah, I think to a large degree, um, Sellers is an underdog in that race. I think uh, Norwood, you know, may play the role as a spoiler, you know, I think to a degree, because they're going to what Democratic vote that is there, it's going to probably be split. It'll be parsed, and that'll make the path to victory easier for Zane. Right, right. You know, that's my prediction. So again, prediction. that's carved in a very specific way. Right. And I think even having an additional person introduced. And then in the third race, you know, in Area D is um, O'Connor Radcliffe going against um, Stan Rodkin, mm-hmm. a former. I don't know Stan, but I've heard great things about him. I, yeah, and I, I can't find his website. I've been trying to find him because I, 
you know, want to invite him onto the mm-hmm. podcast, you know, and I can't get a hold of him, um, you know, and, and Michelle O'Connor Rackler, she's welcome to join us here as well. Um, but uh, that would be good to see. It would be good to see. I can't imagine why TJ wouldn't sit down with you. I don't it's know. what you do as the president of the board. It's why you Michelle know, wouldn't want to come and the invita- talk to all of her constituents. Yeah. So, you know, I, I haven't reached out to them specifically, but I've consistently said verbally and in um, social media that everyone's welcome. And, um, you know, and what I've done in, in the interviews that I've done with the candidates is I haven't really debated them or challenged them. Mm-hmm. You know, I, I've had very minimal resistance because I always saw it as an opportunity for them to share their platform, mm-hmm. give insight to their their background, their history, so voters can get a sense of their character. Um, I do the same thing with with Michelle or with mm-hmm. TJ or any other candidate. Um, if they wanted to come on here, I'd let them tell their story with minimal resistance. Um, so we'll see. Um, but um, I think in that race, though, uh, Michelle has... She, I remember when she ran in 2014, she's very, very savvy. She's um, has a large network of people that support her. Um, she was the largest vote getter in the 2014 election. Um, I voted for her ah, okay. because she looked great. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, she is, uh, um, I think, going to be a heavy favorite in her race. So um, we'll see how it all sorts out. It's going to be about a month. So I feel in a few weeks, I'm going to do endorsements. And, and honestly, I don't know what I'm going to do in my own district. I'm stumped. And that's why I need to learn more about the candidates. So what what will uh, make the decision for you? I mean, what do you need to see? Um, Fiscal responsibility is gigantic Mm -hmm. on my issues, particularly with the school board. Because of the structural deficit, because of the billion-dollar bond, I just need the pendulum to swing the other way and to embrace similar disciplines as the city of Poway. And I'm not getting that sense from any of the candidates. Mm -hmm. Because they don't want to hurt the kids. Uh, and it's they something I hear often of, yeah. let's not be negative. My son's about to apply to schools, and I don't want the district to look bad. Mm-hmm. Well, every year there will be somebody who's applying to schools, um, but at some point you have to address things. Or, uh, you know, let's make those cuts, but not just yet, because I don't want next year, you know, an activity to be cut. It's very difficult. It is. Well, whenever you make cuts, people are affected, you know, but you can't continue to spend more than you bring in. I mean, it's just irresponsible. Right. And so, you know, I've seen some chatter from um, from people in some in social media that are su- generally supportive of the teachers that maybe we need to have a parcel tax. Mm-hmm. That would be some additional line item on our property taxes to not only fund the billion dollar bond, mm-hmm. but also to provide more resources to the school district. And I'm like thinking, oh my gosh, can't we just live within the means that we already have? Mm-hmm. So um, I'm, I'm hoping I'm going to get a sense of that um, from the three candidates. You know, they all speak the language of fiscal responsibility, but what proposals are they going to put forward? And I don't know. So we'll see. So here we sit. <laughs> here we sit. So we've covered a lot of ground here. My How are goodness. we on time? I have no idea. It's six. Oh, my goodness. It's probably time for us to wrap this up. I know. I'll have to come back and talk about some of the tech startups and um, some of the really cool smart cities. I mean, there's that's another thing, too, is there are so many incredible programs. There's so much investment Mm -hmm. happening in the San Diego region. And you just want our kids to have those programs and you want you know, our community um, to have those partnerships and 
to really be producing the workers that we need in mm-hmm. San Diego that Qualcomm needs. So they're not having to, you know, hire from out of the country, uh, much less out of out of state. Well, we will definitely have you back. Yeah. Um, I think right now we're in the midst of this election season, but we still got to talk about your Tesla. You know, we we'll, we'll <sighs> talk about electric cars. <laughs> we we'll go into all that. I know you installed a charging station in your garage. Love it. We have one in our garage. Um, we can compare notes. That'd mm-hmm. be fun. Um, but yeah, some of the, the work that you're doing with the cities and with mm-hmm. tech start, technology startups be fascinating. Mm-hmm. Um, you and I, we could go for hours right. on a variety of topics. But let's. And wrap- I love what you've created here. It's this fun. is exciting. Yeah. It is. So um, let's wrap up this conversation. I know you have commitments tonight. And I'm going to try to sneak out to, I think one of the Poway candidates is going to have a get together. So I'm going to try oh to poke gosh. my nose in. So you're so what... involved and dedicated. Are you going to run again? Do you think ever? Maybe. It would uh, be... I have no immediate plans and I don't know what I'm going to do, Yeah, uh, but I might, I don't rule it out. So we'll see. I do have incredible respect. Um, for people that put themselves, um, you know, up for public office, it's very difficult. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's definitely something to applaud. Even the candidates that I'm extremely disappointed in, that I don't agree with, and that I don't think should be reelected, still at least um, they, you know, were willing to. Um, step up and it's a and massive time commitment. It is. That's and yeah. Not just to run for office, but also to be an elected official. Yeah. And it's to your point, it's a huge sacrifice to their family because they're not out, you know, earning a far better income in the private sector. Well, some of the boards I work I work with though, they are not the mess that we see um, here at Poway. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, things are just well run, and mm-hmm. um, you're in and out within an hour, and things are organized. Um, so hopefully we'll we'll get to that point where we just again I think have a high functioning, um, well run um, school district for the sake of the kids and the teachers. Yeah, I hope so. Okay, well, the <laughs> functioning voter- as well as a Tesla, right? Because right. I highly recommend yeah, okay, <laughs> anybody well, was thinking about that. Gabby That's Dow. our goal to get to a Tesla school district. <laughs> Thank you for coming. Thank you. you. You are a wealth of information. You have plenty to say. You always share your opinion and you do it in a respectful way. I appreciate that. And we'll have you back sometime soon. Fabulous. Of okay. course. Thank Thanks. you.